0: A start On Demand. On Demand.
1: Are you more emotional lately? It is mental health week, and one of the things we wanted to talk about was the fact that a lot of us right now are way more emotional. Whether we're quicker to cry or quicker to get mad, emotions are bubbling at the surface, so let's talk about it. Saskatchewan has released its reopening roadmap based on vaccinations. Manitoba Chambers of Commerce wants our province to do the same. And as we continue to celebrate mom today, we talked about a time that your mom momed hard. A time when mom came through in the clutch. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, May 5th podcast for the start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. And we want to start by asking you the question, are you more emotional lately? Loren? it is Mental Health Week, and we're going to be talking today throughout the day on CJOB about how our emotions are bubbling at the surface, at least for some of us, for many of us, I would suspect.
2: Yeah, I think that be fair to say you're in the majority. And listen, I I'm somebody in my family growing up. I think I was not always affectionately called Sucky Babe because I cry pretty easily. Sucky Babe, I, Sucky Babe, you are the cutest little Sucky, babe. you know, just crying for no reason. Um, but I now, and you know, and then I became this as I became a mom, sort of like a happy crier. You know, you watch a commercial with like a love, like a happy ending, you like, oh wow, that's just, just what a God bless you, McDonald's. Like, you're crying over a quarter pounder. And so I've always been kind of emotional, <laughs> but I find now I'm, uh, like I, I can tear up really easy. It could be happy tears. It could be sad tears. I do think that, um, my temper is like a little bit uh, more dialed up or, you know, you want to throw down. I'm ready to throw down with you right now. If you want to, I could get there in a like real quick, like, So, uh, yeah, look at all all the feels, Greg, are just sitting right there, ready to come out at any given moment.
0: I'd have to take a straw poll of the people who (laughs) live in the house with me as to whether or not my emotions are higher, ratcheted up higher than usual. Because I'm the same way, uh, whether it's The Voice or American Idol, uh, those long distance commercials, Hallmark commercials, I was always and have always been very susceptible to a misty Mm -hmm. eye for things like that, things that, that hit me right in the feels. I, you know, I, you go to rock and roll concerts and I've got tears in my eyes on a regular basis at those things. So yes, I, I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve to begin with. So you're my sucky um, babe, bro. Yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm okay with that, Yeah, but it does, Brett, I, I would say it does feel as though that it's a little bit closer to the surface right now. I can remember going to see a counselor years ago, trying to manage uh, some of my stress. And, you know, she always says, so where, if your cup has 10 measurements on it and that cup represents your day, where does your day start? Like how full is your cup at the beginning of the day emotionally? And I, you know, back then it was easy that my days would start at an eight. Mm-hmm. So which meant you didn't have really much room until it boiled
1: over. And I would say we're probably
0: playing in that eight to nine range uh, right now for a lot of us uh, to start our days as it is.
1: So the question of the day at CJOB.com brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204-832-6243. It's mental health week. Are you noticing you're more emotional lately? All the time, sometimes occasional emotional explosion or nope. Cast or vote CJOB.com. We'll put that on Twitter as well. Uh, at 680-CJOB. Also today, we have uh, questions, Loren, about school.
2: Man, I think this has been just for over the past year, ever since we went to remote learning March 30th, I believe it was, last year for the the end of the school year, people have been wondering, you know, are we heading back down that road again at any given point in this pandemic, wondering when my kids might get sent home. Some are already at home, of course. If there are certain age groups, some schools have sent kids home. Alberta last night. I was feeling for Alberta parents and family I have out there because Alberta is sending K to six kids back home starting Friday. Ontario is already there, so just school is such a big part of the equation. And you know, here in Manitoba, we know it's staffing. It's not necessarily the transmission, but staffing. Staffing might be getting staff might be getting tested, might be waiting for tests, might be testing positive, and so you can't keep going when there's staff questions like that but one of the things we are learning you're going to hear more from this morning from a local doctor is what they know about transmission in kids and Greg early on there were studies that showed that kids weren't spreading covid the same way adults were well now this u of m pediatric infectious disease specialist has looked at some of the data he's been studying this for better part of the year and he's come back to basically conclude like yeah the kids are not spreading it the same way so we're going to speak more to him at 7:45. and i'm curious that when parents hear what he has to say is that going to make you feel any better or do you still just have that lingering question in your mind what about the schools
0: yeah, you know, uh, I have I have people in my circle who have had a variety of different experiences, either self-isolating, staying away from school as a teacher because they've been exposed and have been a close contact. Uh, then some other friends of mine who are teachers, their child was a close contact and their family of four had to stay home for two weeks to self isolate because of their situation. And then now in my house, one of my boys is on remote learning through next week because someone in his cohort, not a direct contract contact. So he's not a close contact or considered to be at risk, but out of an abundance of caution, he's at home doing distance or remote learning until next week. And then we also, at my other boys' school, we got a very lengthy letter about what would happen, what the situation was, what would need to happen, and who would be in charge of pulling the pin on uh, in class learning. So uh, we've seen a variety of different communiques, a lot of variety of different experiences with this. And I think a lot of people have actually, I know another friend of mine who's. Pulled their kids out of out of class uh, for the, the rest of the year, and they're gonna just do remote learning and until the end of June. So a variety of experiences for folks out there right now.
1: As the United States reaches an interesting tipping point, a greater concern about vaccine hesitancy than concern about vaccine supply, at least one state has decided to wet your whistle in exchange for a shot of the vaccine.
2: Yeah, this came from the verified Twitter account of New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. Phil Murphy, not Phil Dumphy. we should add. It says this... We're launching our Shot and a Beer program to encourage eligible New Jerseyans age 21 plus to get vaccinated. He goes on to say that any New Jersey resident who gets their first vaccine dose in the month of May takes their card to a participating brewery will receive a free beer. And that's one of many examples I'm reading this morning of different ways different communities are trying to entice people to get the vaccine. In Detroit, they're offering you, I believe it's a $50 card if you have to drive somebody to get the vaccine because not everybody has access to public. Transit or a vehicle. Uh, In other states, there's different coupons being offered, donuts in some parts. And I had a friend living in northern Manitoba, Greg, send me a a photo the other day of a restaurant that was offering a 15% off. I think it's one of the chicken joints if you have your vaccination card. And so lots of different ways to try to encourage people who might be hesitant about getting the vaccine, Uh, has communities doing different things. We've got another thing that might help out in that hesitancy.
0: Yeah, it's beginning to get to the point where the fence sitters and selling those fence sitters on getting vaccinated is going to be critical. and That's in the United States and in Canada. Our neighbours to the West have released what to us seemed like a sensible, if not terrific, infographic to entice their citizens to get vaccinated sooner than later. It lays out a three-step path to reopening based on a certain percentage of the population having their first shots of vaccine. Chuck Davidson is the president and CEO of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce, joins us now. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, Greg. We appreciate you joining us so early and the the information you sent out from Saskatchewan, you you, you tweeted it last night and, and it shows what you call a path to reopening. Do you mind conveying what it lays out?
3: Yeah, I mean, basically what it's saying is that, you know, we, we've been saying forever that the real path to reopening the economy really stems around immunization. And what they've outlined in this plan is that there are various steps so that once we get, you know, a percentage of the population 40 and older at 70 percent vaccination, things get to open up a little bit. Whether restaurants and bars can open up a little bit more, there's greater capacity at fitness classes, uh, there's greater capacity at private gatherings. And, and so that's really that first step. Once we get 70% of people 30 and older um, as as well that are vaccinated, again, what it does is you get further opportunities, whether, you know, larger gatherings again. And then finally, the final step is when 70% of the population of 18 and older uh, are vaccinated as well, most of the remaining restrictions are lifted. And so this is something that we've been calling for as an organization and for many organizations as well, because what it does is it provides business and provides Manitobans with some certainty. So now Saskatchewan residents will know when we hit certain measures that we can start working towards, we know that we're going to be, uh, have the ability to have greater freedoms. And so what they've outlined as well is expected timelines along the steps. So with step three, where they expect to have 70% of their population, 18 and older, vac- vaccinated, we're looking at the second week of July, where they could have various uh, restrictions reduced significantly in Saskatchewan. So yeah, which it's is something that we'd love to see here in Manitoba. And I think a lot of Manitobans would do, you know, you know, have a great expectation that if in two months um, you know, we could have reduced restrictions, um, it would be terrific.
2: Yeah, it's the reopening roadmap for Saskatchewan. It lays it out pretty clearly. Step one, step two, step three, as you said, there's timelines attached to it. I know we've asked questions to our health officials. What are we talking about? What Where where do we need to get to to see a loosening of restrictions? What kind of timeline can you give us? What have you been told as to why we aren't laying it out like this, Chuck?
3: Yeah, and again, you know, I'll give the government credit. I mean, they have taken steps on a number of measures, and, you know, I understand the challenges they're going through, but I think this is exactly what we've been looking for, is something similar to this that provides businesses with that a clear out understanding and Manitoba has a clear understanding as to what things look like. So we, we see that there's a, you know, a real frustration with, with people right now, that they're not wanting to follow the rules. And, you know, we hear the doctors and you had on earlier talking about the importance of that to keep hospitals uh, capacity uh, lessened as well. And sometimes I just think maybe it's, we need a bit of a goal. We all need to be able to work towards a goal and have a, have a clear path as to okay what that kind of looks like. And so I think by providing this, what this does for business as well is, is that business is kind of looking in terms of, you know, we're used to being told we're closing down and we're shutting down and you're, you're having limited restrictions. When can we kind of get back to normal and when can we start planning for that? Because as I mentioned, business loves having some sort of certainty. So if we could have some certainty that if we get to 70% of people, 30, 30 and older vaccinated, here's what business will look like. And I think that's something that's important to, to all Manitobans at this point, as we, as we hope we're getting close to the end of this pandemic. Uh, but we think government can play a role in terms of, you know, working with, you know, stakeholders to, to help provide this bit of a guide determines of what that reopening is really going to look like for all Manitobas.
1: Chuck Davidson is the president and CEO of the Manitoba Chambers of Commerce, joining us live on CJOB. Chuck, thank you as always, sir. A pleasure. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Brett. I like the rent. As we continue to celebrate mom with Namath Diamonds, we're giving away that $500 gift card on Friday. We are asking you today... To become our third qualifier, you got to send us a text message at 204-780-6868 about a time that your mom came through in a big way for you, whether it was came to the rescue or did something really cool for you. Like, Greg, Shauna has a great story here about her mom.
0: Yes. uh, For my 40th birthday, my mom surprised me with a whirlwind trip to Los Angeles to take in a Jets game. Was the best weekend ever. Stayed in Hollywood, did the tourist bus trip, ate at famous restaurants, and had seats just behind the Jets bench. I will never forget that weekend. Oh, Shauna. Outstanding. I had a similar experience for my 50th birthday. So ah, I absolutely love that. Not with my mom. My mom's been gone for nearly 20 years. So, Oh, gosh. uh, You said
2: 50th. uh, I was thinking uh, earlier than that. Sorry
0: no don't apologize for that no uh but uh very, very similar experience uh as a gift uh from one of my best friends for my 50th birthday
2: i just know your mom liked the road trip i think you did a bunch of concerts oh. and stuff with her right so oh, i was thinking that maybe she had uh, taken you taken you a few places bg's i'm thinking maybe was one is that right
0: you are correct loren where was that that was in Vancouver. We were driving home from, Winnipe- uh, from uh, Winnipeg to Brandon, and uh, my mom loved Don Percy. And Don Percy on his morning show said the fact that the BGS were going to be playing in Vancouver. This was a Wednesday morning, really quick. I had a paper route every Wednesday. Three hundred and fifty-six Brandon shoppers. By the time we got home, my mom dropped me off to do my route with my brother Kevin, and by the time. I was done my route. My mom had secured tickets to the concert, had the car (laughs) packed, and we were on our way to BC that night to make (laughs) sure we were in Vancouver for the concert on Saturday.
1: How long did it take you to get there?
0: Uh, I guess it was a three day drive. Okay. Drove to the middle of Saskatchewan the first night, camped there, then went to Calgary, Salmon Arm, Vancouver, turned around, came back.
2: There's some memories. Road trip with mom.
1: What is the situation in your workplace when it comes to getting the vaccine? Do you get time off to go get it?
2: Yeah, do you get paid uh, vacation time to go get it? Are your managers or bosses even talking about it, or encouraging it? Or are there signs up? Do you wonder in the weeks or months ahead if it may even be a requirement in your job? Benjamin Hecht is a managing partner at Pitt Blato Law. He's also a labour and employment lawyer and joins us this morning to answer some of our questions about the workplace and mm-hmm. the vaccine. Good morning, Benjamin. Good morning. How are you today? We're well, thank you. And I know it's early days in some sense when it comes to this vaccine, but there are people wondering if this is going to be as something that's required in the workplace, at least in some professions in the future. What's your thoughts?
4: sure. it is it is early days uh, because the public at large doesn't have uh, widespread access to the vaccine yet. It's increasing uh, not at a pace that most people are happy with, but it is increasing. So, What's going to happen? It's a big gray area, I would say. From a workplace perspective, the overarching principle for any employer has to be what is the primary uh, uh, health and safety concerns in my workplace? How do I keep my employees safe? And then conversely, or or equally importantly, how do I keep any visitors to the premises safe, which could be clients or customers in retail stores, suppliers, etc.? We're all going to have to deal with this. And I think at present, to answer your really first question, at present, what we're seeing employers do and what we're recommending employers do is encourage employees to get the vaccine. We're not seeing any mandatory vaccination policies just yet. We don't believe the government, by the way, is going to legislate that maybe nowhere in the country. So it will be up to private workplaces. Uh, or schools or hospitals, etc. But for today, what we're seeing and what we think is the the proper course of action is for an employer to encourage employees to get the vaccine. And the way you can encourage it right now is to do exactly what you were wondering about, namely to uh, uh, tell people if you need to get the vaccine or you choose to get the vaccine, we will support you. We will give you the time off to get the vaccine. If you have side effects, as many people have had from some of the vaccinations, uh, we will give you paid time off for a day or half a day, whatever it takes. Uh, I've seen, and in our workplace, we told our employees, uh, if you need assistance with transportation to get the vaccine, we will assist with that. So I think that, that as a baby step, as step one, what employers can and perhaps should do for now is encourage their employees to uh, get the vaccine. Because, of course, uh, if we're trying to achieve herd immunity in the workplace, in our community, we need people to get vaccinated. And and we won't be able to achieve that if, if we don't assist people. Or it will be more challenging if employers don't assist people uh, uh, in a reasonable way to get the
0: vaccine. So Benjamin, could that initial effort to help people along and encourage them to get the vaccine turn into a mandate? If you don't get the vaccine, you won't be able to work here. And and if, if that is something that might come down the line, is it legal for a workplace to institute a, a rule like that?
4: You, you know I'm not going to answer you with a yes or a no <laughs> but, uh, because the law is, is typically uh, uh, full of a little bit of black and white at each end and a lot of gray in the middle, I like to say. But I'll tell you this, there is precedent for mandatory vaccinations, not in COVID, but uh, they are imposed by law in both Ontario and New Brunswick in private, uh, sorry, public school settings where the parents or the guardians have to provide proof of vaccine in order to let their children Come into the school or register for school, uh, and the and the exceptions to that would be uh, medical reasons or perhaps religious reasons, uh, reasons of conscience. Uh, those are again not not uh, etched in stone, and 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 they would have to be considered on a case by case basis. I think that uh, at present we believe that is the labor and employment uh, lawyers uh, in the country believe that. Most workplaces probably could cobble together a mandatory vaccination policy. The question is, will they? Uh, and, the, and the second question is, might it be challenged? Uh, certainly you can imagine that the hospitals and, and medical offices will want a mandatory vaccination policy because they will want to know that their patient's coming in, or they will want to assure their patients that their staff are vaccinated and then they're not gonna get sick within the facility. Conversely, perhaps the the facility might say we don't want you in here without a vaccine. I think that might be more challenging, but certainly you can imagine in healthcare that 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 may be coming. And of course, healthcare is is almost exclusively unionized, so there will be either agreements with unions to make that happen, or there will be challenges that will wind their way through our system uh, and end up in arbitration.
1: Benjamin Hecht is a managing partner at Pitt Blado Law and a labor and employment lawyer joining us live on 680 CJOB. Benjamin, thank you very much for the time. Much appreciated, sir. No problem. Have a good day. Today, we want stories about a time where your mom mommed hard, a time where she came through for you, came to the rescue, did something cool for you, or was just there for you when you really needed her most. And we've got a couple of texts here, uh, both involving the hospital. So Greg, why don't you start us off with uh, Kevin's text?
0: Absolutely. Good morning. I I joke and tease about my mom, but mother was a tough cookie in a clutch. I was about to start school. My birthday was a week late, but... She had just had her third cancer surgery. She had abdominal stitches and sick, but she refused to not take it easy. And I had a wonderful birthday. I was only six and at the time and was mad my birthday was late. Now I look on it as a wow, she did that for me. Thank you, mom. She still jokes about that surgery too, saying the surgeons go in there anymore. If the surgeons go in there anymore, they should put in a zipper, (laughs) forget the stitches. That is just her way or no way. Thanks, mom. And uh, laughter, clearly part of the medicine in Kevin's family, Uh, a zipper instead of stitches. That's absolutely
1: brilliant, in fact. (laughs) And then Susan's got a great story, Lorena, about her mom, Norma.
2: Yeah, my mom, Norma, is now gone, but what a great opportunity to share how she mothered hard, Susan writes. My son, when he was 13, was diagnosed with blood cancer. It was an aggressive form, and the treatment plan was aggressive. It was chemo in the hospital every month for a week, then sick enough to be hospitalized again for at least another week, followed by recovery for days 10 to 14, then repeat. My mom, bless her heart, lived in Calgary. We were in Winnipeg, Every single time my son had chemo, my mom was here to support us. During our son's recovery days, she went back to Calgary to allow us to be a family for a couple of days, and then back she came. We sh- we say she was as much a part of the treatment plan as was the chemo. The hospital staff thought she lived in Winnipeg. Norma, mm. kudos to you, man. That was an incredible thing she did for Susan.
1: Yeah, that's uh, to to visit, to come in every time. Um, that is intense. So thanks, as always, for the stories on Mom. I, my story, actually, you mentioned your story, Loren, uh, which made Tara mentioned on Twitter that uh, your story made her cry. Uh, your story involved a 30th birthday for you. My story actually also involves my 30th birthday because my mom, she uh, she, she suggested that she could do something for me. And I said, sure. So she, she said, how about a scavenger hunt? So she told me to invite all my friends over, and then she gave us this list of things we had to find. She sent us all over Transcona. (laughs) To this day, I still don't know how she came up with all this stuff. Like We we had to go to Kildonan Place and, and Joe's Garage at the Pandora Inn to find some fish on the wall or at least get a picture of the fish on the wall. She sent us everywhere, and uh, everybody had a blast, and then she made us a big meal. So the, when she suggested a scavenger hunt, I thought, oh, okay, sure, whatever. I almost sort of did it just to, like, let her do it, and it turned out to be one of the best birthdays I ever had, and my friends still talk about that day. So, yeah, lots cool of fun Thirty. How old were you thing. again? Thirty.
2: There is your 30th birthday. I was, I was trying to figure this. I keep missing the ages of all these stories, and I was thinking, did he say six? And he's like <laughs> at the mall and like in a bar. I was like so confused. <laughs> wow, just really roaming around in a bike gang. <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: that would be fun, though. That would be fun. And actually, I'm going to tie something... I'm going to tie this back to what we were talking about with Hal, because I'm wearing a T-shirt that was actually gifted to me on that 30th birthday. It's, a, it's a, the Autobot symbol, Transformers Autobot symbol, and underneath it says Transcona. A buddy of mine had it made for me for that 30th birthday. I'm wearing that at work because Hal was talking about how, you know, you can't really, you can wear anything you want at home. There's no one here there is no one at the radio station so i throw on whatever i want i've got a hoodie on right now and a t-shirt and jeans and I've a backwards ball cap so <laughs> greg even if you were coming in you're not putting on a shirt and tie
0: no absolutely i'm not but uh you know it's so funny how some people are getting dressed for work these days and loren have you even got gotten out of the your pajamas today curious
2: i have pants on because they were on the floor when i got out of bed so today is one of those rare days that i'm not in pajama bottoms because that's i stepped on these pants when so i woke put them up on but,
0: or trip over them i was like the there other. you
2: are well that's handy i'm really glad <laughs> well, i left you there yesterday we'll just slip these bad boys right back on i have not once woken up and put on quote real clothes well, so, oh, 4 I have a man. confession. That seems like a lot of work. I don't shower beforehand. I brush my teeth. I get a coffee. Wow. And I pull up the, alongside this laptop and I angrily text you guys and <laughs> get the day going.
0: Oh, come on now. It's not all anger. There's, I don't even say good morning. I've realized there, that in there? the
2: last few months I've stopped even saying, <laughs> you guys are like, good morning. The moon's beautiful today, oh, says yeah. Greg. And Brett says, step outside. The air is brisk. And I'm like, so what I was thinking we should do today, guys, is let's just get, <laughs> get down to you business. get right down to it. No time. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I told you yesterday that I had done six loads of laundry in about uh, twenty-six hours. <laughs> I was out of underwear, so I came to work commando on Monday. How about that? Oh boy! That's, wow! Oh,
2: that's too much. Wow! Look at yes. that. That is. I instantly. Went. I would
0: not do that at Portage in Maine.
1: Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, remote learning is back on in Alberta where COVID case counts are surging. Yeah,
0: Alberta students in kindergarten to grade six will head home on Friday and stay home for about two weeks. Ontario kids are already at home and in Manitoba, we know it's top of mind for many parents wondering if that's where this province could be heading, Lorraine.
2: Yeah, well staffing is an issue for schools some schools right now. Teachers and EAs and others might be at home because they're maybe waiting for test results. They may have been a close contact and just have to stay home to isolate. It might be because they've received a positive test result, but When it comes to how COVID is spreading, lots of people have been still asking the question, how does it transfer from kid to kid? Our next guest is a Manitoba pediatric infectious disease specialist, and his research team has actually spent the better part of this past year looking at how COVID spreads in children and adults. Dr. Jared Bullard is our associate professor of pediatrics and infectious diseases at U of M and our guest this morning. Good morning, doctor. Good morning. What did your result? What did you look at and what did you find?
5: Well, absolutely. So what we were doing was trying to reassure parents and teachers that uh, children are relatively safe when it comes to going to school. And so what we did was we took samples from children uh, who had COVID and compared them to adults. And over the past six months or so during when we were doing the research, uh, what we found was that the the samples didn't grow in cell culture uh, nearly as well as they did in adults. To give that context, it grew in about half as many cases. And when samples from children did grow, they were growing significantly less virus overall. So, the, the, so what does that... Did, oh, go ahead.
0: Yeah, go ahead. You're probably going to answer my next question. So continue, Dr. Bullard.
5: So I, I think what that shows us is that uh, it kind of adds to the, the literature and, and evidence we're seeing from across the world and that uh, we know that children in the school setting aren't really able to spread this very well, particularly if schools are employing the uh, necessary precautions. So if kids are sick and they stay home, uh, great, that's perfect. Uh, when they're at school, washing their hands carefully, wearing masks, distancing, all are really important fundamentals. We also know that in a household setting, that children aren't really able to spread this as well.
0: Now, uh, obviously, this uh, research has taken place over a, a certain amount of time, a certain window in the last uh, year or so. The variance of concern we're seeing now close to 50% of those infected with COVID-19 are now uh, under the age of, of 40, 39 or younger. So are the variants of concern, does, does that potentially change the way uh, this data would have uh, been collected and, and turned out uh, if you're doing those uh, te- that testing right now and that comparison?
5: Yeah, that's a great question. You have to keep in mind, too, that we were looking for variants uh, since the beginning of the first wave because uh, it's important to have an idea of what sort of strains of this sars coronavirus 2 are circulating. And so we saw all sorts of different strains of the virus, and it didn't seem to matter. The variants of concern are, are different, though, of course, right? And here in Manitoba, we're kind of in the early stages of Wave 3. Uh, but we do have the benefit of looking uh, elsewhere in the country as well as into Europe to see what the impact has been. Uh, that's an important point, too. We're seeing it kind of in the age where you'd expect parents of young children uh, to be affected. So ultimately what that means is that parents are getting infected when they're out at work doing their essential jobs and they're bringing it home to infect their kids. And that's, uh, that's not surprising. The key finding, though, is that overall, if this was better able to transmit from child to child, like so if a child is infected uh, or ultimately from a child to an adult, we would expect to see a, a jump in the number of cases. Uh, and we didn't see that. So there's some reassurance that the variants of concern don't transmit substantially differently in children either.
2: You know that there's going to be people at home, Dr. Bullard, that just are having a hard time wrapping their head around it just because of the way kids are kids, right, and how they play and how they interact and how they're doing things together. And and when you looked at the data, I know that you found that kids accounted for roughly 7,500 cases in, in Manitoba, so that number is relatively low. But what did the percentage show in terms of how one adult might infect someone versus how the kid might infect someone. Because again, it gets back to the point where parents are thinking, hang on, kids are always touching and playing and, and, uh, germ bags, no offense have been called in, in, in months past, right?
5: Right. I, I think it's accurate to call children germ bags. I mean, anybody who works with child children in daycare or teaching or pediatrics knows that you're sick all the time just because kids can't help it. Uh, right. But this is a, a different virus and a different interaction. So when we we think of adults and their ability to spread this virus, they're often able to, if they have COVID, infect about two to four other people. When we look at children, especially when we're talking about the school setting, um, their ability to infect others is actually under one. So it would actually take a number of cases of children in a school to be able to infect one other individual, whether that be a child or a teacher. And that's why it's important to really follow those fundamentals that Dr. Rusin keeps preaching about, saying if you're sick, stay home, wash your hands, Uh, distancing and wearing a mask.
1: And just before we let you go, Dr. Bullard, uh, for example, I was driving by John Gunn yesterday, it's a junior high in Transcona, and I saw four kids uh, sitting outside the school up against the wall, basically shoulder to shoulder to shoulder to shoulder, they were all wearing masks. Uh, But is that uh, potentially one of the things that could be contributing to the kids transmitting it outside of school? And that's a
5: key point, too, that a lot of the transmission that we're seeing isn't happening in the school setting. Uh, It's hard. It's hard to keep these kids apart because social development is a huge part of their lives, right? And so, yeah, when they're at school, we're able to be a lot more distance and follow all these rules. But if they're having play dates or hanging out or having sleepovers, that's a lot more contact. And it's important to remember that even though kids aren't as good at spreading this, they still can do it. And if you give it sufficient contact time. Uh, that will happen. So it's important to keep that in mind.
1: Dr. Jared Bullard, Associate Professor of Pediatrics and Infectious Diseases at the University of Manitoba. Thank you for your time. You're very welcome. Have a good day. We are still looking for our third qualifier. For Celebrate Mom with Namath Diamonds, we're giving away that $500 gift card on Friday, and we're asking you to text us a story about a time that your mom mommed hard. Sounds like a Bruce Willis movie. Mom hard with a vengeance. A time (laughs) where your mom came through for you in a big way, whether she came to the rescue or just did something cool for you. Candace says, my mom has always been there for me. I suffered from migraine headaches, and when I had my children and would get... One, my mom dropped everything to come and look after my kids. So when she would get a migraine, her mom would drop everything, come look after the kids. But one time when my kids were 13, 11, and 9, she took all three of them with a friend, each to the lake for a weekend by herself so I could have some time for myself. How would that be? How would how'd you like that? Both my
2: mom and my mother-in-law have done those things in terms of just taking the kids because they want to, too. But sometimes they they get that, you know what, maybe maybe mom, you know, we were talking about our emotions being at the surface. Maybe mom's emotions are, you know, about to spill right over and we'll get you out of here for your own good. So (laughs) I think that's it sometimes.
1: Did uh, anybody ever come take the Twin Towers away, Greg?
0: Oh, boy, let me tell you, uh, one of our uh, favorite meeting uh, meetings, meals that we ever had was uh, my mother-in-law's uh, very good friend Donna, and mom came over one day, the babies were maybe, I don't know, two weeks old, or they well, they'd been home for two weeks, so they're about six, seven weeks old, and uh, we were kind of skewed or or, uh, scooched into the living room. We sat down and Donna and mom made this uh, beautiful pork loin complete with roast potatoes and veggies and everything looked after the boys. And uh, for our first anniversary, we went to the Grey Cup 2006 and uh, we stayed overnight at um, my sister-in-law's condo. And let me tell you, we had such a good sleep that night. because we were so tired, so tired. And uh, bless my sister-in-law, she just said, I don't know how you guys do this night after night after (laughs) one night. I'm exhausted. (laughs) The boys had to be fed every three hours. It was uh, quite the work. So, yeah, you know, it does take a village to raise a family sometimes.
1: So we got keys to the game coming up in two minutes. Before that, I just wanted to mention this because this is something that mom absolutely would not stand for. I I was shocked when I saw this. Of course, we want you to follow us at 680CJOB on Instagram. But while I was on Instagram this morning, I saw uh, from our sister station, Peggy at 99.1, they do something called challenge trivia. And today it says a new survey found that 30% of people said they only did this once or twice a year. And your three options are wash their sheets, wash the car or dust the house. So 30% of people do this only once or twice a year. Greg, what would you have thought it would be out of those three? Wash the sheets, wash the car, dust the house.
0: Oh, yeah, dust the house for sure.
1: Loren, what would you have thought?
2: Uh, I had said to you, please don't tell me it's sheets, but I had a bad feeling it was sheets. And I, I, Yeah.
1: I thought for sure it was dust the house. It's the sheets. Yeah. Oh, so wash yeah. the oh, sheets oh, once or so twice oh, a year. Are you kidding me?
2: Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry for the noise. But I, I and I wonder if this has to do with just laziness, because as we talk about emotions, Loren, one of the, the byproducts of mine lately of my, you know, malaise, as it were, is that while I wash my sheets regularly, I can't I have, I have a tough time just even bothering like vacuuming because mm-hmm. no one ever comes over. So yeah. every time I think I should clean my place, I just go. Ugh.
2: What is the point? The sheets, at least you're sleeping in, so you want to have that clean, fresh smell. I can't even imagine going a year not washing the sheets. Although I will say, it is my most hated chore because of putting the duvet cover back on. Oh, that's Nothing is worry. more nothing <laughs> is more frustrating. You're alone, and tra- sometimes I've been feel like I'm getting trapped inside there because I've tried that trick where you put it over your head, put your hands in each corner, and then flip it over, and all of a sudden you're like, I can't see. I'm trapped in my own duvet. Anyway, I hate that <laughs> chore like a a lot. But I hear you. Get this a is comforter. the problem. Get a comforter. The problem right now is that we all, you know, with with your time at home or whatever you have, more time on your hands. Yes, you can do all these things, but it's gotten to the point where you just don't want to and I was talking with a girlfriend last night about dusty and dusting in the house and how it feels like there's more dust which I then have gone down a rabbit hole of discovering that dust of course is our dead skin cells and it's just our dead skin cells <laughs> all over the place <laughs> and uh, it just gets grosser should I keep going like it's that that's what's that's what's all over the place so wash your sheets dust your dead skin cells people
1: ah that's wonderful yeah and just very quickly before the keys to the game uh when i got a duvet and a duvet cover i was asking like is there what's the easiest way to put to do this and i was told the solution was step one remove duvet cover from package step two immediately throw it in the garbage and go buy a comforter
2: (laughs) it's like in our house it's the thing like when you pull the sheets out of the dryer and i take them upstairs and it's sort of like this stalemate like we both just walk back and forth, staring. Who's gonna Who's gonna deal with this? Because nobody wants to deal with that duvet cover. Why are they a thing? When did they become a thing? I don't know. I
1: need to burn mine. Today, we want stories about a time where your mom momed hard, a time where she came through for you, came to the rescue, did something cool for you, or was just there for you when you really needed her most. And we've got a couple of texts here, uh, both involving the hospital. So, Greg, why don't you start us off with uh, Kevin's text?
0: Absolutely. Good morning. I, I joke and tease about my mom, but mother was a tough cookie in a clutch. I was about to start school. My birthday was a week late, but... She had just had her third cancer surgery. She had abdominal stitches and sick, but she refused to not take it easy. And I had a wonderful birthday. I was only six and at the time and was mad my birthday was late. Now I look on it as a wow. Wow. She did that for me. Thank you, Mom. She still jokes about that surgery, too, saying the surgeons go in there anymore. If the surgeons go in there anymore, they should put in a zipper. (laughs) Forget the stitches. That is just her way or no way. Thanks, Mom. And uh, laughter, clearly part of the medicine in Kevin's family, Uh, a zipper instead of stitches. That's absolutely
1: brilliant, in fact. (laughs) And then Susan's got a great story, Loren, about her mom, Norma.
2: Yeah, my mom, Norma, is now gone, but what a great opportunity to share how she mothered hard, Susan writes. My son, when he was 13, was diagnosed with blood cancer. It was an aggressive form, and the treatment plan was aggressive. It was chemo in the hospital every month for a week, then sick enough to be hospitalized again for at least another week, followed by recovery for days 10 to 14, then repeat. My mom, bless her heart, lived in Calgary. We were in Winnipeg, Every single time my son had chemo, my mom was here to support us. During our son's recovery days, she went back to Calgary to allow us to be a family for a couple of days, and then back she came. We sh- we say she was as much a part of the treatment plan as was the chemo. The hospital staff thought she lived in Winnipeg. Norma, mm. kudos to you, man. That was an incredible thing she did for Susan.
1: Yeah, that's uh, to, to visit, to come in every time, um, that is intense. So thanks, as always, for the stories on mom i my story actually you mentioned your story loren uh which made tara mentioned on twitter that uh, your story made her cry um your story involved a 30th birthday for you my story actually also involves my 30th birthday because my mom she uh she she suggested that she could do something for me and i said sure so she she said how about a scavenger hunt so she told me to invite all my friends over, and then she gave us this list of things we had to find. She sent us all over Transcona. To this day, I still don't know how she came up with all this stuff. Like, we, were, we had to go to Kildonan Place and, and Joe's Garage at the Pandora Inn to find some fish on the wall, or at least get a picture of the fish on the wall. She sent us everywhere, and uh, everybody had a blast, and then she made us a big meal. So the, when she suggested a scavenger hunt, I thought, oh, okay, sure, whatever. I almost sort of did it just to, like, let her do it. And it turned out to be one of the best birthdays I ever had. And my friends still talk about that day. So, yeah, lots Go of fun. How old were you day. again? 30.
2: Is your 30th birthday? I was I was trying to figure this. I keep missing the ages of all these stories and I was thinking, did he say six? And he's like at the <laughs> mall and like in a bar? I was like so confused. <laughs> wow. Just really roaming around in a bike gang. <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: that would be fun though. That would be fun. And actually I'm gonna tie something. I'm going to tie this back to what we were talking about with Hal because I'm wearing a T-shirt that was actually gifted to me on that 30th birthday. It's a it's a, the Autobot symbol, Transformers Autobot symbol, and underneath it says Transcona. A buddy of mine had it made for me for that 30th birthday. I'm wearing that at work because Hal was talking about how you know you can't really you can wear anything you want at home. There's no one here. There is no one at the radio station. So I throw on whatever I want. I've got a hoodie on right now and a t-shirt and jeans and I've a, a backwards ball cap. So <laughs> Greg, even if you were coming in, you're not putting on a shirt and tie.
0: No, absolutely, I'm not. But uh, you know, it's so funny how some people are getting dressed for work these days. And Loren, have you even got, gotten out of the your pajamas today? curious
2: i have pants on because they were on the floor when i got out of bed so today is one of those rare days that i'm not in pajama bottoms because that's i stepped on these pants when so i woke put them up on or
0: trip over them i was like the there other. you
2: are well that's handy i'm really glad i left you there yesterday we'll just slip these bad boys right back on i have not once woken up and put on quote real clothes
0: well, oh, 4 I am, have a confession. Man. That seems like
2: a lot of work. I don't shower beforehand. I brush my teeth. I get a coffee. Wow. And I pull up the, alongside this laptop and I angrily text you guys and get the day going. <laughs>
0: oh, come on now. It's not all anger. There's, I don't even say good morning. I, I've realized there, in there? the last
2: few months I've stopped even saying you guys are like, good morning. The moon's beautiful today, oh, says yeah. Greg. And Brett says, step outside. The air is brisk. And I'm like, so what I was thinking we should do today, guys, is let's just get, <laughs> get down to you business. get right down to it. No time. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I told you yesterday that I had done six loads of laundry in about uh, 26 hours. <laughs> I was out of underwear, so I came to work commando on Monday. How about that? Oh, boy. Wow. That's,
2: that's too much.
0: Wow. Look at that.
2: Yes. That is, I instantly went. I would
0: not do that at Portage and Maine.
1: One of the things we're talking about today is emotions and how they are Bubbling to the surface for many of us. Our question of the day, in fact, at CJOB.com, brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204 832 6243. It's mental health week. Are you noticing you're more emotional lately? And so far at CJOB.com, we've got 30% who say sometimes, 13% say all the time, 9% say occasional emotional explosion. And forty-eight percent say nope. So you can cast your vote cjob.com. We've also put that poll up on Twitter at six eighty cjob. And this is the question because today we are attempting to find different ways of dealing with the emotional roller coaster COVID nineteen has created for us. Yeah, and roller coasters are typically fun, right, Brett? Loren, at least for those of us who decide
0: to get on willingly. I ended up on. Uh... Roller coaster called Renegade at Valley Fair a couple of summers ago. I had no idea it was hidden by trees and other obstructions, and was doing the tick, tick, tick up the first ramp when I realized, oh my word, <laughs> I'm on a very high, very fast roller coaster. I I survived, but I I really didn't want to be on it, and I don't know if I'd go on it again. I think in these times, you may have found yourself uh, crying at unusual times. I managed not to cry on the roller coaster. I think you alluded to the idea, Loren, that we are on the edge of our emotions right now.
2: Yeah, and that could be tears. It could be frustration. It could be tears that of happiness. It could be things that just kind of set you off. It could be anger. And it might even just be that you are finding yourself laughing at things that you might normally not have laughed at before. And that might not be a bad thing because our next guest genuinely preaches the notion that laughter is the best medicine this from the website laughter Laughteryoga.org. I like how I just tried to create a word there. Laughteryoga. Sorry, Loren. That's not your fault. Laughteryoga.org. Janine Carmen is a certified laughter yoga leader in Winnipeg. She regularly hosts laughter workshops, primarily with seniors, some with severe dementia and Alzheimer's, and she says the benefits are evident right away. Good morning, Janine. Good morning. <laughs> I'm, see? Thank you. Let's just laugh. Let's start with calling it laughter-yoga as opposed to laughter yoga. Uh, what, <laughs> tell us all about this. What is
6: laughter yoga? Laughter yoga is um, stimulating the laughter from within, bringing it out. The yoga part is basically doing some deep breathing because, you know, it always hurts when you laugh too much. So you want to take some nice deep breaths. And we, bas- we are doing exercises to stimulate the laughter. So laughter, the body doesn't know the difference between real laughter and fake laughter. So we just encourage everybody just to, if you can only just do a smile, just smile. If it's a giggle, <laughs> it's good. If it's a belly laugh, go for it. Always respecting your body and where you're at. The beauty of laughter yoga is that it gives you a, a dose of happy chemicals. So it stimulates your dopamine, oxytocin, uh, serotonin, and endorphins. So it really strengthens your immune system, which we all really want to do right now. You no, know,
0: no question. And you do feel better, and all that whole uh, complicated math equation about how many muscles you use in your face when you frown versus how many muscles you use in your face when you smile. Uh, there's lots of science. You outline some of it here, but it just plain and simply feels good to laugh.
6: That's right. And you notice also how much the stress releases when you do a laugh. So some of the exercises we we do, especially now, um, have all been through, mostly all through Zoom. And, you know, we're learning to adapt that. Our exercises usually are standing and intermingling with people. Well, now we're sitting in our chairs in front of a computer. But we're still getting the same benefits because we're expressing that laughter. We're pulling it all out. And when you were talking about the laughter versus crying, um, it's the same endorphins. So be it that you laugh until you cry or you cry till you laugh, it's still helping you release all of those endorphins and stimulate the circulation in your entire body.
1: And in if you're if you're feeling down or you're feeling stressed or you're feeling frustrated and you're simply not in the mood, like, I'm not having it, I don't want to laugh, do you find that when, if you can get a laugh out of somebody who's in that kind of mood, that the effect can be even more significant or more helpful?
6: Oh, absolutely. And you know what? Use the mirror. If it's you who's having that issue, use the mirror and look at yourself in the eyes or at the other person if you've got someone present, and just look at yourself say ha (laughs) and try not to laugh afterwards. It just is a stimulation. It brings it out. And the release is incredible.
2: In your classes, Janine, and again, we're talking with Laughter Yoga leader, Janine Carmen, just about your classes and the things you're obviously doing more over Zoom now. But have you found that, you know, when one person starts, that that whole contagious idea can take over, that it really can shift the room as long as one person is in on it? And I'm thinking of the, I believe it was a Coke commercial a few years ago where they put some guy on the subway and he just started laughing. And next thing you know, the whole subway car can't contain itself because it really was this contagious thing that
6: caught on. Yeah, absolutely. So what also happens is it's contagious, and it makes us realize we do not need a reason to laugh. There doesn't have to be a silly act. There doesn't have to be a a, a joke. It's just bringing the laughter, the joy out of our bodies. And same with being playful. We really encourage playfulness, because when you're watching children, they just go from one activity to the other, and they're laughing and they're um, enjoying life. And what happens is we grow up, we kind of get too serious, and then more serious. And we let the seriousness hide the laughter and the playfulness inside. So when somebody starts to laugh, and somebody else sort of looks at you, they'll give you the look sometimes, but then they will crack a smile, they'll start to laugh, and it is so contagious. (laughs)
0: So, Janine, you're educating us here today. How did you get educated about this? How did you learn about laughter yoga and and the ability to combine these two very beneficial activities?
6: Laughter yoga was started by a doctor, a Madan Kataria, in India. He was a medical doctor. And he um, just realized one morning that instead of talking about laughter being the best medicine, maybe he should go out and start a laughter club. Now his wife is a yoga master, and so they were doing the laughter jokes and such, and realized that didn't work because it was offending too many people. So then they started to work on the exercises that that we do just to stimulate the laughter. And then his wife brought in the the yogic part, which is making sure that we calm our bodies after a good laugh because you know how much we can hurt. So it's just deep breathing. How did I get involved? I uh, was very fortunate that I met the the first person in Manitoba to be certified as a laughter yoga leader and um, participated in her clubs. And that's back in 2004, I believe. And so she took her laughter yoga teachers so she was able to train. So I'm a pioneer here in Manitoba. I was part of the very first group to be certified as a laughter yoga leader. And since then, I've also become a laughter ambassador. <laughs>
0: Tell us a little bit more about that. So laugh let you go.
6: It's really a nice prestigious uh, award because uh, it is encouraging me to continue to help people to laugh for no reason. So it doesn't matter if I'm holding a lap yoga class or if I'm just walking down the street smiling at someone or talking to somebody on the phone, it's just to encourage everybody to 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 laugh more in their life.
1: Janine Carmen, certified laughter yoga leader in Winnipeg, the website laughteryoga.org. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the time.
6: Thank
1: you. We got to name our third qualifier. Celebrate mom with Namath Diamonds, $500 gift card. We're giving it away on Friday. We've got two minutes, three text messages. Greg, start us off with Bill quickly, please. In the early 1970s, my mom, brother, sister, and myself were on our way home from the cottage. We
0: were on a fairly remote road and it was during a very bad storm. Hail and high winds. Suddenly a tree blew down across the road in front of us. Mom screamed, slammed the car in park and jumped out and lifted the tree and walked it into the ditch. This was a tree six inches in diameter, obviously full of adrenaline. She got back in the car, shaking and crying. We went back the next day with dad, and he could not even lift the tree. (laughs) We learned then not to make mom mad. She could take you out. Awesome
1: mom strength story, Bill. Ken's got another one. I grew up on the farm while crossing the barnyard with mom we noticed that the bull was out and headed towards us head down and pawing the dirt with his hooves as he got closer mom picked up a two by four and swung for the fences right in the forehead the bull was stunned shook his head and turned away so my lesson for the day that's how you prevent getting bullied (laughs) no pun intended from ken uh great stories bill and ken but loren sandy's our winner
2: Sandy texted to say my mom, there was no dad, nor brothers or sisters. My mom and I just had one another. She also ran a small business out of our home, word processing and typing documents for people. So not a lot of money either. I remember a high school dance coming up that I didn't want to go to because I didn't have anything nice to wear. When I got home from school, the house was filled with beautiful new outfits, all hung with care, hanging everywhere. My mom had taken the day off work to shop for a new outfit for me to wear to the school dance. I felt like Cinderella, ended up going to the dance after all, and could hear kids saying, wow, I love her outfit. I felt so special and very loved, it still puts a huge smile on my face 34 years later.
1: Congratulations, Sandy. You are a qualifier. A great story about how your mom momed so hard. And you could be our winner on Friday when we give away the $500 gift card from Namath Diamonds. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think.